Hobby Addict の時間です It's time for Hobby Addict And now here are your anime addicts Everybody, welcome to Hobby Addicts, episode 251. Welcome back. And welcome back to Mitsugi, back in the saddle. Good to be here with everybody. Joined by Caroline in Lower State, New York. How's Caroline? Hello,、today? hello. I am doing quite well. Oh, good. Yeah, how's your,、uh, how's your snow situation in Lower State, New York? Definitely warmed up over the last week or so. It was great. Like, once you hit 40 degrees, it's like, what is this summer?、Uh, and I think we're going to go back down just a little bit, but、um, for the most part, it's getting better. More rain, meaning melting snow, hopefully, no ice <laughs> yeah, it, for the coming week. It snowed like 14 inches in Denver while I was gone, so but,、uh, it's about half melted now. And we also have Mason. We're so good at that. The, the echo down to、uh, nothingness.、Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking, assumedly, as you were about to do.、Uh, also, also getting nice and warm up in here. So I've,、uh, I've been doing well. I have a little sun chant that I do every day、uh-huh. now because、wow. we're on the precipice of spring and、uh, we just have like a few lingering patches of like snow and ice in our driveway. So I cheer the sun on every morning so that it melts it so I don't have to shovel. So <laughs> doing well. Can you give us a sample of your sun chant? Uh, it's essentially me parading around the house saying, Go, son, go. Go, son, go. Do you really do this? Yeah, I really do. Wow. I do the little the thing from、uh, my neighbor Totoro where they're like pushing the plants、oh, up to yeah. grow.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> I tell you what, because I leave pretty early in the morning. So,、um, you know, it's completely dark when I drive, and it's usually dark until I start my workday and like an hour in, it's like the, the sun's up, and you know, then it starts getting brighter. Um, but over the past week, whenever I've been driving, back, driving to work in the morning, I noticed it's brighter. And I'm like, what is this? What is the sun? <laughs> That's the best when you like, have a job or like, an activity you do in the morning before the sun rises. And if you do that consistently at, let's say, 5 a.m., you like, more noticeably can tell, like, oh, the days are getting longer. Because I used to see the sun when I got two minutes away. And now I'm seeing it when I'm five minutes away or 10 minutes away.、Yeah. You can like, You're one with the earth. <laughs> yeah, definitely makes me feel good. <laughs> All right. Well, again, happy to be here, guys, on Hobby Addicts. And we have, a, we have a good show for you today. I mean, I was gone a long time. So I have, I, have a lot to, I have a lot to talk about just from my trip in general. So we can ramble through some of that.、Uh, and no games today. No games today, but I'm working on it. So we'll have games soon. And we'll talk about that later. But Caroline's been watching some. Some、good stuff. She watched a movie, I Care a Lot. We're going to talk about Nightcrawler, the documentary, and Watchmen, the TV series. Is that right, Mason? That's correct.、Uh, and I, I touched on it a little bit before. So, like, I think this should be on like the back burner because I'm way more interested in your, your travels and Caroline's adventuring. All right. Well, why don't we start with Caroline? <laughs> okay.、Um, I'll start off with the movie then. It's called I Care a Lot. My sister and I were just hanging out last night. We wanted to watch a movie and always trying to find 
and pick a movie takes the longest time, like more than it should. Uh-huh. Uh, then we saw something that was on both Amazon Prime and on Netflix, and it was kind of really highly advertised. I've never heard about it before. Um, but it has Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage in it. So I'm like, well, this ought to be good. Um, if you don't know, the uh, Rosamund Pike is from Gone Girl, the main character of Gone Girl. Um, so we looked up the uh, the trailer, and it seemed pretty decent. It's a, uh, they, they called it a thriller comedy, but it's definitely not as comedical as we were expecting. It's more, it's pretty, it's, it gets pretty dark sometimes. Basically, the movie is about this woman who um, is basically a con artist. She has contacts with different doctors in her area. And when these doctors find a patient or have a patient who is a of older age uh, and we, they could spin it as them, you know, having deteriorating health, um, you know, mental status and such, they can make the case to transfer their... Um, and to make this woman, Rosamund Pike, who's, I guess, what's her name again? I think it's Mar- Marla. Yeah, Marla. her name's Marla. Yeah. She becomes their legal guardian, uh, meaning that she takes control of their assets, their money, uh, everything they own, and she puts them into a, uh, you know, a care facility, different care facilities. And that's how she makes her, for- like, trying to make a fortune off of these people and their wealth and selling off their belongings, their houses, everything under the guise of them, of her caring for them in their older age. So Even, it's essentially yeah. tricking these elderly people into... Well, they're, uh, not, they're not even tricking the old elderly people. Uh, they're tricking the courts into thinking that they are unable to care for themselves. Gotcha, um, gotcha. I'm just getting like a Happy Gilmore vibes where like <laughs> his grandma goes to the nursing home and they're like abused in like a sweatshop by uh, my, Ben Stiller. My fingers hurt. <laughs> It is honestly exactly. kind of scary because here are these people who are of sound mind uh, and they don't want to be forced out of their homes under the care of somebody they don't even know. Uh, and so there, there is this character here who's like filthy rich. Uh, she um, has no family and her doctor uh, contacts Marla and saying like, look, listen, she's a gold mine. Um, and, and so here you go. You can put her under your care and basically, get, you know, it's a lot of wealth. That you can get from her. Um, and because she has no family, nobody's going to fight for her, uh, for her well-being, like, you know, otherwise. So she gets the court to spin this, um, at, like, this court document into putting this woman under her care, bringing her to a health care facility, like a care facility. And she sells off her house, sells her belongings. Meanwhile, the woman is, like, trying to get out. And she's trying so hard. But because she's so, con- like, she thinks that this woman's evil and is not is going to take all of her care of her, like take everything from her. That's the reason why the people in the care facility are, you know, trying to sedate her, thinking that she's, you know, uh, paranoid and delirious and that kind of stuff, hallucinating. And that that it's like it's so sad because once you reach a certain age, people just automatically believe that you are not of sound mind. Um, so that part's sad. But then, <laughs> here comes the actual story. There is a man by, played by Peter Dinklage, who's part of the the mafia. He's a mob boss, and for whatever reason, I won't tell, say why. Like he's trying to get this woman out. Um, you know, based on the fact that she has no children, apparently. Uh, so he's doing everything in, our, in his power to int- intimidate Marla, uh, to get her out of the facility, and. 
everything. And Marla's not backing down because all she wants is she she really wants his money and he won't up the price to get her out. So, yeah, it's basically that. And uh, it's pretty good. Is Although, it, yeah. What? Is it weird to see Tyrion like parading around? Oh, yeah. Not with a wine oh. bottle in his hand. Oh, yeah. Well, what I thought was really funny is that, yes, he's Tyrion. But at one point in the movie, Marla dons a wig, uh, which is a very short cut. And I'm like, wait a minute. She looks like Cersei Lannister. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing is that like really kind of bothered me at some points was the fact that this, this grift seems unlikely. It does not seem legal to me that the stranger can just automatically gain legal guardianship, then sell every belonging this person has without their permission. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. Hmm. But don't, other than know. that, other than some of those, uh, uh, my un- inability to suspend disbelief, I can't talk. I can't suspend my belief for that part, for those parts, but the ending is really good. <laughs> So you so you recommend it then? I'd say so, especially since it's on Netflix and I believe Amazon Prime. Is this, is this like a? Let me see. When did this come out? I think recently. Yeah, like a week or two ago. So is this like is this like a streaming only? I guess that's that's pretty much how 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 we're doing things now, right? So yeah, apparently it uh, premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, um, and then they just put it to uh, streaming services. But my sister did make a comment that the way the movie looks and like acts it does it does feel like this movie was meant to be put into theaters mm. instead of just a streaming streaming service i think we're going to be saying that a lot <laughs> <laughs> in the coming year all right cool well i care a lot too about your recommendation so maybe i'll go watch it would you cool. like to talk about nightcrawler um, how about you talk about something and I'll, I'll follow up with it. Well, we took a trip down to Mexico. Um, my girlfriend's parents, uh, live in Mexico for the time being. Her dad's working for a company down there and had to relocate. So they live in, in Hermosillo, which is like, I guess that's like centralish Mexico. I, I, I have to look it up, but, um, and so in order to do that, we flew into San Diego, which is like, these flights are just like a joke. They're so cheap. It's unbelievable. Let's see. Hermosillo is, uh, it's not really, not really central at all. It's like over by the, by the Gulf of California. So it's like by that Baja Peninsula. So I guess it's like, it's, uh, like North way up, like North, uh, Northwestern Mexico. So it's fa- fairly close to like, to Arizona, uh, and uh, California area, but um, we flew into San Diego and and spent the night there, and then walked across the border in Tijuana at the CBX station, and then uh, flew from Tijuana over to over to uh, Hermosillo, and like the flights are just so cheap. It's like you can fly from Denver to San Diego for like thirty dollars. <laughs> it's like a joke. And interesting that they didn't have a direct flight. From Denver to Hermosillo, they do have a direct flight. It just costs like five hundred dollars. So gotcha. So we basically gotcha. we basically save like three hundred bucks a person. Um, and uh, and uh, my girlfriend's brother lives in San Diego, so we scooped him up on the way, and his girlfriend and all four of us went down to uh, Hermosillo to that sounds like fun to like hang out with her parents and 
and uh, every, everyone's like, you know, her, her parents are pretty wild, so they're more like, like, it's funny, like, most of us are like, you know, between like 25 and 35, and, you know, her parents are like in their 50s, but they, they're more likely to act like crazy like uh high school like college partiers 15 year olds <laughs> yeah and, and we're like so like the first night we went out to dinner and uh at this like at this seafood place and like and they seem to know everybody so all these like mexican people that live in the area all show up and everyone's like just getting hammered like i swear to god they like the group of like 15 people probably drank like 200 beers i mean i'm not even joking it was just case after case of beer and, uh, you know, there was, like, live music playing. And then everybody goes back to their house afterwards to, like, this is, like, the first night to hang out, I guess. And they even, like, invited some random, like, biker biker gang members that, like, no one knew to this well, party. Well, that's safe. And, yeah, it was a concern. And um, and and the four of us, like, the four, like, my girlfriend and her brother, et cetera, we're all like, we just want to go to bed. <laughs> the parent, meanwhile, like, her uh her mom's like dragging us out of bed, like, no, you got a party, you got a party, man. So like, you know, we stayed up pretty late and, and, uh, you know, it was, I didn't really drink much the first night, but, um, someone found like an old swimsuit that I had worn that I had like brought with me last time I was in Mexico and I, and I didn't even know where, I didn't even know it was there, but someone like pulled it out. And it's like, it's a little more of like a revealing, more like tightly fitting, like, it's not like speedo? a speedo. It's not a speedo, but it's like it's like it's like it's like if a speedo and like normal like knee length swim trunks had a baby. If that makes sense. Is it like a like skin tight, uh, you know, sh- swim trunks? I mean, it's just like it's more short shorts. They're they're like short short swim trunks basically, and uh. and they pull them out and like they're like, oh my god, you gotta put these on and do a strip. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then like the whole, why? I don't know because everyone's <laughs> drunk. And so and then like. I, although I really wasn't, I think I had like one margarita and I'll get to that in a second, but like the whole room is chanting like, like, like for me to do it. And so of course I end up, I end up having to do it. Um, oh, God. and so I, so like there was like a full Mitsugi like strip show in the living room in front of like 10 people. I don't know. And then five and then five, you know, of my uh, girlfriend's family members. So, which, in, wow. which included like air humping and all kinds of other things. So it was very, it was very, um, very fantastic for a fully sober. Weighing the scale between looking like a baby and not doing it, or, you know, c- coming off a little rambunctious, but it seems to be in their wheelhouse, so I think you made the right choice. I don't, I don't know. It's like, in some ways, like, this podcast is maybe so just, I just don't care about stuff like that, so I was just like, fine. It didn't even take much thought. I was like, just give it to me, and, uh, you know. It, it, if you say so. And I'm, like, fully sober at this point. Cause like I, I've learned that um, drink like Mex- Mexico like this place Mexico is very mountainous, but this area is like 500 feet above sea level, so it's it's basically flat, and um, like it's it's I don't I ha- I'm not really I don't have a full grasp of the science behind it, but your alcohol tolerance at at sea level after you've been living like up in the mountains is ridiculous. So I mean. You know, like if I'm in Denver and I go to like this dog bar we go to and I have like one Moscow mule, I'm like tipsy. <laughs> but like, you know, it was like four, five, six shots of tequila in one, like in like it, like a couple of different nights and I, before I could even like really get to that point. So I don't know what it is about like, but like that one margarita just didn't really, um, it, it was, I don't know. It's good. It was, it was a good margarita, but you know, 
that was a fully sober Mitsugi doing the strip, the, the strip show. But um, it was a really good trip. You know, the best things about Mexico are probably the food. Uh, and maybe the, maybe the people, like the people are very friendly. You know, everyone's very welcoming. They're, you know, they're just like very outgoing, like a very outgoing culture of people from what I can tell. And the food and drink were just unbelievable. The beef is always great. The seafood, we had some unfucking re- unreal seafood, like just crazy seafood because it's like right near, right near the Gulf of California. Um, I got some photos of like the beach that are just like fucking re- un- like just mind blowing. Like, and this is like beach where it's like, um, I'll post a picture in the war room here, but this is like, this is like beach where it's not even like commercialized. It's like more or less untainted by you know whatever you want whatever you want to call it like just uh just the commercial the commercialization of, of the world i don't know i'm not actually sure if i have a picture of the beach from my phone here i think everybody else is taking pictures but but it was good you know we were down there for like five days six days maybe um and played a lot of cards you know had uh, had many visits from the agave spirit <laughs> What's the uh, what's the go to like card game in her family? Like, what's the one? No questions right. asked. This is what people are playing. So they really like this game called Nines. I don't know if you've heard of Nines. Okay, do you, you know Nines? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they like Nines a lot. Um, I like my favorite card game is Hearts, but it's very hard to play Hearts because you got to have exactly four people. They all have to play. They they all have to know how to play. But like Nines is like we are playing Nines with like seven seven or eight people one night and then like i'm very bad at it <laughs> i'm just not good and well nines is like almost like completely luck right like yeah, there's I mean, not much skill to it it's a lot of luck it's basically like a combination between um just drawing the right cards off the deck and flipping over the right cards that you have like in front of you because you can give away good cards on accident so it's mostly luck but which is why I like Hearts a little better because Hearts is not really luck. It's mostly like, you know, timing and paint, remembering what cards were played and stuff like that. But, but um, yeah, it's like so whoever lost, whoever had the worst score each round had to take a shot of tequila. I think the first time we played that, played like that, I ended up taking three of the four first shots because I was so bad. Um, you know, but you know, everyone's really just like down, like just happy to be hanging out and. It was a really good time, and then and then we went back to San Diego um, on Thursday last week. So we were in Mexico from Friday to Thursday, or from I guess it, I guess it was I guess it was really Saturday to Thursday, and then on Thursday we were back in San Diego. And San Diego's San Diego is is, is a really nice city. It seems like you know I haven't been spent much time there, but we um, we like rented some bikes and biked down to like the to the to the marinas and, and like over to the ocean and there's like just like the coast guards down there and there's all these huge like old battleships and stuff in the harbor and there's like just people with like their giant yachts and all this hanging out and and the weather is is flawless because it's san diego and i think the weather is pretty much always flawless there and you know it's pretty expensive like from what i can tell like every like just stuff in general is way more expensive uh, probably like th- everything's like thirty percent more at least. Uh, I had to buy eye drops while I was there because I'm like the king of eye drops, and they were like fifty percent more than they are in Denver, and I was like shocked. But um, but it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a weird uh, it's a weird like little 
you know, situation to be coming from Denver where it's, where it's fucking snowing 14 inches and you're, and you're like the sun and down in San Diego looking at the sunrise on like these, like, you know, on like these, like that, there's like a series of cliffs in San Diego. They call it like sun, what was it like sunset? Uh, I can't remember what the fuck it's called, but it's like one of the best places to see the sunset and like the entire country. Cause it's like no interrupt, like uninterrupted skyline of like the ocean. And you can just like watch the sun just like, just turn into a sliver below like the below like the horizon horizon on the ocean and then there's like all these houses right on the road right behind that and like you just know they're worth like 20 million a piece it's like these houses are ridiculous um but it was fun we got to go to like a bar shot some pool um you know got hammered basically and uh you know i got to go to a gym while i was there so that was good and kind of scratch that itch yeah, well, you know, my, my my girlfriend and her brother were were all workout nuts. So basically, it was like after 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 doing nothing but eating like baked goods and cheese and just drinking probably fifteen margaritas over four days and then just like not exercising, I felt like I was just like the f- so bloated and like watery. I needed to like you know go to the gym. It felt good, but um, yeah, I feel like that's where you just got to go for like a run on the beach or something. Well, we had that long bike ride, so that was good, and uh, we and we did, and we also went for a hike while we were there, and and, and the gym, you know, all in like two days, basically. So we we were pretty active, and I think everybody really needed it. But and now I think we're we're gonna take another trip here in uh, like sometime in the in the early summer, late spring to go do. We're gonna try to climb six mountains in one week, and then and then we're and that's gonna be like somewhere in Colorado, and then in. August will be in London for that that Ghibli concert, and then that's pretty much it. Like I'm not really sure what else is gonna, you know, happen this year other than those two things. But it was a good trip, and uh, I'm glad you guys were. Do you guys have fun podcasting by yourself? Uh, yeah, I think it went well overall. I think I think it could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just just on the like technical side, like I think podcasting that's 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 easy, but uh, the the putting all the elements at play that yeah, normally you do everything, uh, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, all the sound effects are really the hard part. So, all right, well that that's my story, pretty much, you know. So so it was a lot of fun. So excellent. Traveling is good. Mexico is uh, is a fun place. So. Why don't we jump over to Mason, I guess, since we're kind of like going in a circle here. Watchmen, TV series. Sure. Yeah, so I briefly talked about this a couple episodes back, saying I started it, I was skeptical of it, but I was really enjoying it. And now that I finished it, and this, to clarify, is the 2019 HBO series. It's like nine episodes long. Um, Kind of a spiritual sequel to the, uh, you know, the 12-issue comic book or the the movie, the Zack Snyder film. So it's kind of like you don't need to know the source material, but it helps. But it's some of the same characters, but not anyway, whatever. No matter what, um, I really enjoyed it. This slayed all the way through. I think it got better as it went on. And this is the show is just so finely crafted. It's a, a mechanism, a watch, if you will, with like all these intricate stories and character dynamics and it was just solid all the way through. And 
as with all kind of stories within the Watchmen universe, like it starts off with these very small focused pieces at play. You know, it takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's this whole vigilante cops versus these Roshark inspired white supremacists. And it's a very clear story and you kind of can follow it easily. And then once all these other characters start getting involved, including some actual superheroes, not just dudes with a big panda costume on, yeah. um, it just explodes into this like cosmic level of all these four dimensional chess pieces at play. And just it's a puzzle box show because there's so many disparate things are going on and all these elements seem to have no relation to one another. And you're just like, why, why am I watching this? Why is this happening? What happened to this? And you just, you're questioning it and not in a confusing sort of way of like, Oh, I'm lost because it wasn't explained to me. It's just, you're not sure how it all puts gets put together. And at the end, obviously everything converges in such a satisfying way that makes you as the viewer feel smart for putting it together. Like it, it tells you everything. It doesn't hide anything from you, but just the revel- revelation of putting the th- stuff together is just such a satisfying feeling. And it's kind of similar to the movie in that respect. Um, it has Voight from the movie, who is my boy. Uh, I love him. He's played by Jeremy Irons, who mm. you could just tell had a blast playing yeah. this like larger than life, narcissistic, know-it-all character. And it, it was just really satisfying and it's funny because my mom has never watched um the watchman movie she knows nothing about it she watched some of it and she enjoyed it and my brother has kind of seen the movie and he watched like the last three episodes of the show and he enjoyed it too and i don't know how like i don't know how you could just watch bits and pieces of it and still like enjoy the experience but i think that just shows how solid it is yeah on a baseline level so and even more interesting than that. So obviously, first and foremost, I do recommend this. It is on HBO Max. So obviously not a not a subscription service that everyone has. But if you do have it, uh, I recommend checking it out, even if you haven't seen the movie. But I was also recommended by Sozo in the Discord. He alerted me that there's actually a three-episode podcast that is done by Damon Lindolf, the creator and writer and producer of the show, And each podcast episode is like an hour long and kind of he just goes through like the inspiration and thought process behind, you know, not only creating the show, but just even initially, like, why was the show even made? Like, why was there a need to make more Watchmen and kind of the the crux of how do you make something that's inspired by something, but still like original and not derivative? Like, how do you? how do you separate those two components and like cater to the old fans with like Easter eggs and characters while, you know, allowing for newcomers to the series enjoyed as a standalone piece of work. And it was just really interesting on that regard too. So across the board, this was a very well put together show. Is that kind of like how it went with like the Final Fantasy seven remake, you know, they had to like figure out a way, which, which is getting DLC, by the way, with Yuffie in it. I don't know if anybody cares. Yeah, I, I saw that, yeah. But, um, you know, like, they had to try to make that something that everybody would like. And I feel like they I feel like they largely succeeded, so I, I guess it's kind of the same situation. Uh, sort of. I mean, clearly Final Fantasy VII, the remake, like, started from the beginning and told essentially 
the same story and just threw in some twists at the end to, you know, keep like experienced people on their toes a bit. But it was a very much a reimagining of the mechanics at play, whereas this is a wholly separate time period. Like there is very little overlap besides a couple characters and more of just the. I see just the I don't know the thought process that the first movie carried over into this so it's it could be enjoyed either way but it was good it was really solid so but so your brother was able to jump in like real late and like watch some of it and he was fine with that so I mean is that yeah is that more I mean does that speak at all to like the simplicity of it maybe where it's easy to just jump in or maybe the writing is just so good that it's the writing is just solid that even if he doesn't know all the strings connecting stuff and doesn't like get that revelation like it's still just an enjoyable watch so it's I mean it's definitely I'm not saying you should or can skip anything and it's interesting because the story starts very much this is the story of one character named Angela Abar, who she, this is kind of her life story. This is where she's at now. This is her goal. This is what she's doing. And we see it through her point of view. But then later on in the series, it'll be a whole hour long episode about just some other character. And Angela will be in there for maybe one minute, if that. And it, like, I don't know, it just really shows you that every character has this depth to them and interplay where watching it all come together is what makes it satisfying so sure my brother might have missed out this whole like side character story but even without that he can still kind of say oh this character has these baseline traits about him and you know i would fill him in if something like important like oh this character is actually uh spoiler spoiler redacted he'll be like oh okay so you need a little bit of tying the knot but it's good it's good it's solid and you're still on that hbo plus boat yeah, still on that HBO Max because I still have to finish watching The West Wing, <laughs> which yeah. is I'm on like the very end of season six. So we have one season left. But at this point, you know, with all the movies that are coming out on HBO Max that like would have been in theaters like the uh, Matrix 4 and uh, the Godzilla versus Kong movie, there's a couple movies coming out where I'm just like, you know what? Who knows? At least they fixed it. It's actually fixed on my TV now. So HBO doesn't uh, shit the bed constantly. Well, I have a confession to make. So this is Anime Addicts. So <laughs> the, there was a night a couple weeks ago where Mitsugi might have had a couple peach rings in Denver and was enjoying South Park uh, fractured butthole a little too much. Mm-hmm. And started watching some documentary on YouTube about the creators of South Park and how they make their movie the movies like, or they make their shows like in a week. And it was really is it good. the like seven days to air or six days to air, whatever yeah. it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, I really would like to watch South Park right now. <laughs> and there's like nowhere <laughs> to watch it, so uh, might have acquired uh, South Park via HBO Max. Ooh, so, ooh. Yeah, so now the South South Park is is a thing in the in the house. So <laughs> just constantly playing. Thither me thirskeev. I don't know. It's gonna be that every night. So yeah, anyway, that's fine. Yeah, so. we can get a, a definitive Mitsugi list of like South Park seasons, best to worst, or maybe like the top five South Park seasons. 
Well, we're, I think we're going to work our way up from like, we're on season three right now. So we're like, we have a little, and I've missed out on most of South Park at this point. Like I love South Park. I've seen probably 50 random episodes, but you know, that really only covers like five total seasons or something. So, you know, um, so back to Caroline then, I guess with, uh, we have another, is Nightcrawler certainly sounds an awful lot like another Marvel property. No. <laughs> Damn. I, was thinking, I was thinking of the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. You know, um, unfortunately, not a Marvel superhero. More like one of the worst human beings to ever come into existence on this earth. Um, it is oh. a documentary about the serial killer, <laughs> Nightcrawler, from Whoops. the 80s. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so this is on Netflix. It's actually, Nightcrawler is referring to the guy, the serial killer that stayed in Hotel Cecil for a little while. Oh, oh, they talked about his, wait, I thought he was the Night Stalker. Is it the same person? Oh, wait a minute, did I? Oh, no, you're right. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So it is the Jake Gyllenhaal thing, but that's not what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) I definitely wrote Nightcrawler. I meant Night Stalker. Oh. Um, Okay, okay, okay. Okay, yeah. So I've watched maybe one episode of this, and I didn't find oh, okay. it. I didn't find it super engaging. So change my mind. Really? Actually, because I was about to say, I know how much you liked hotel the Hotel Cecil documentary. I finished it, and I wasn't a massive fan of it. I mean, it was okay. It was good, but I didn't think it was anything amazing. This one, this documentary is pretty good. I thought, like, I think it was better than Hotel Cecil. Just wow, in my case, I guess we bet. I guess we have just different tastes in documentaries. Um, actually, I don't think I was surprised because I thought they were going to mention Hotel Cecil in this documentary at some point, but they didn't. Um, they just, mm. you know, I, I feel like with this documentary, they didn't really go into the mind of the Nightcrawler. They, or sorry, Night Sucker, sorry. He's, oh, I need Jake Gyllenhaal is so handsome. I'm so sorry. Um, it was. It definitely followed, of course, the investigations and you know um, all the stuff he did uh, before they caught him. But I thought they were going to talk a little bit more about his um, mindset and like with the. I know they interviewed him after they got after he got caught for this book that somebody was writing for it, but they didn't really share too much of those interviews, which I thought they were going to, um, which I thought would be interesting, but. Overall, it was still a pretty good documentary. Um, I didn't really know much about the Night Stalker. I've, of course, I've heard about Ted Bundy, or Ted Bundy and um, you mm-hmm. know Charles Manson and everything like that. Um, but I never really heard about him, so I thought it was interesting how such an awful person existed, and I'd never heard about it. Yeah, he he has a. I'm just like looking at pictures of this guy, and there's something about like the shape of his eyebrows and nose that make him look very evil. And like, I feel like even just looking at like the shape of his eyebrows and nose, which you have to, you gotta, you gotta look at the picture, I guess, but it almost looks like, like almost like the outline of like a bull, like a steer's horns and face, like right in the middle of his face. It's kind of weird because his eyebrows kind of point up like horns. Like, I could pick this guy out of a lineup like 10 years from now. <laughs> He's such a distinct yeah. looking facial facial features. Yeah. So uh, maybe I should like explain uh, in case people haven't really don't really know about him because I didn't 
know about him until I watched the documentary. Um, so in the 80s, there was a giant wave of crime in California, specifically in Los Angeles, but then it moved to South or San Francisco at some points, and I believe some other places as well. Um, so this is all due to the person they dubbed the Night Stalker, and he broke into homes, he raped and killed people of all ages, um, of you know, killed people of all genders, um, and it, that's really strange because a serial killer doesn't isn't really that um, general in his in their activity. They're usually pretty specific to a gender, to an age group. He um, did some really awful things. He raped and killed children. He raped and killed women. He killed men. I don't think he raped any men, but um, yeah. And it's honestly just disgusting when you have to yeah. hear like things that he did. Um, yes. So the only thing, one of the only things linking this guy to all these different killings was a footprint he kept on leaving at different crime scenes. And it was a very specific footprint. Only one shoe was like delivered to the area. So it could possibly only be one guy, um, this type of shoe footprint. And let me tell you how many times I had to bang my head against the wall with this investigation, not because of the investigators, but how many times things just did not go well for them for several different reasons. Um, one of them being, uh, you know, there was certain information they kept out of the public because, you know, things that only the killer would know, things that would change his uh, pattern that would make it harder to catch him. So they made sure when they made a video to to send out to the different police departments in the area to make sure that they had all the correct information, that none of it was going to get swayed by any media information they might hear. They said, okay, now pay attention to this part of section of this video. These are all the things that you don't tell the media or anyone else so that it can stay secret from the killer that we know these things. One of them being the shoe print. And of course, when the killings moved to San Francisco for whoever did it, whoever told the mayor about these specific details, she went into a press conference and they say, well, we're looking for this particular shoe print. It's been in all, all the killings and you know, there's only one in, only one made in this you know, state. So it's like very specific to the killer. And I'm just like, are you joking? This was so important. Yeah. Who dropped the ball on this one? And then after that, they never saw the footprint again. So it's yeah, just that fucking, was. Yeah, because he fucking changed his shoes. Yes. It's so, that, that was so frustrating. Wow. And the fact that at this point, they're like the investigators are already like working through the nights 24 7 trying to find this guy for, for like months. And like dozens of people have been killed and raped. And it's like, this was, this was not amateur hour. Um, so there's that. And then earlier on in the best in the investigation, they had they recovered a car, which they believed to have been driven by the suspect. And so they're like, okay, take it to fur prints. I mean, this wasn't they didn't like even dub dub in the Night Stalker yet. They weren't even sure like had the magnitude of the situation. Um, so they're like, go get this for fingerprints. And the car sat in a lot for weeks without getting fingerprinted. And so all that, all like that possible information was gone because it sat in a lot in the sun, in the rain, and everything. So everything, all the evidence got washed away. And I'm like, whose job was it? Who forgot? 
it's stuff like this where like truth is stranger than fiction because if we yeah. saw like if this was like a, a movie or whatever like a make-believe movie we'd be like oh like there's no way they're that like incompetent Stupid, like this yeah. is just like this is not believable like they just did this so he could get away a little bit longer and then no yeah. no things are actually like this and then there's a third situation because soon after somebody dropped the ball on not getting the car fingerprinted and such, they they looked through the car and looked through the evidence, I believe for probably the first time, which I thought took a while, but I mean, whatever, that's not big a deal in the grand scheme of things. Um, so they look through the car, they find a business card to a dentist. And so they go to the dentist uh, and they're like, hey, have you seen a guy that matched this you know, description? And he says, oh, yes, um... I believe like it's this person. And of course, you know, that name and the address is false. So that didn't really help him out that much. But what they did find out from the dentist was that he had some like, a, I forget what exactly it was, but it was a situation with his tooth that was going to start hurting soon. And so he would have to come back to the dentist in order to get it looked at and fixed. Um, this was after they looked at his x-rays. Mm-hmm. So they planted two agents in the waiting room and they had them waiting there every single day until he would come in. And they're like, and later on, the higher ups were like, you know, this is costing us way too much money. Why are there even the chances he'll come back into this dentist? Let's put in a an alarm of some sort. And if he does come in, the dentist can just flip it and, you know, we'll be there in seconds or something like that. Okay, fine. Literally the next day after they pulled out the agents, he comes in. The dentist tries to alert the authorities with this system they put in place and nobody comes. You know why? Because they're dumb. Well, because somebody did not test it out before putting it in there and making sure that it worked because it didn't send any signal to the police. And then he left. Yeah, so like, yeah. Fi- so like, I mean, to be fair, they probably could have just called 911. True. I thought that as well. <laughs> like, you know, they could have, he could have just said, like, you know what, wait one second. You, you can be with the hygienist. I'll be right back. I guess to be <laughs> fair, if they hit this like button or something and they didn't get any feedback to know that it didn't go through, like, yeah. then they wouldn't call. So I guess I believe it. I, uh, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Although, like, if it, if it was, like, coming toward the end, end of their appointment, I would have been like, well, he's about to leave, and they're not here yet. Let me call and make sure. Or be like, um, hey, can we call you back? Just, we'll offer you, like, free cleaning on the house or <laughs> something, like, something to... Well, you know, you've ever, if you've ever, like, been to a dentist or the doctor's office, sometimes you're waiting forever, and you don't even know what you're waiting for. So I think he exactly. would just stayed put anyway at I always social assume, convention. When I'm waiting at, the, at a, any kind of office, I always assume the police are just about to get me (laughs) yeah well even so it's just so many situations with this case uh that just amazing how the slight incompetence in the major incompetence really uh affected the case it's nice to know that people died because the police made one mistake after another but you know i guess no one's perfect yeah. yeah. Anyway. I mean, well, the, the, the investigators that are quest- like, t- like we're talking about the situation in the documentary, they're pretty sympathetic because, you know, they, they just hearing how long and hard they had to work on a case that is just so brutal, having to like talk to so many people who found their family members lying in a pool of their blood and, um, you know, just awful things like that, having to deal with that every single day and not being any closer to finding him. It's so sad. 
But overall, to, good documentary. I have to check it out again because I haven't given up on it. I just got to pick it up. But mm. well, guys, we are out of time. I think we will have more games in the future. You know, I talked about uh, Fractured Butthole a little bit before, but I, I hadn't played much of it yet. So, so we will, we will, we will be talking about that. And I just bought the game. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I bought Thirteen Sentinels. Aegis Rim. I can't remember. I don't know if anybody's discussed that already, but I have it now. So I think Mandy had started it, but so much goes on in that game that she's like, I don't want to speak too much on it until I get the full thing. Okay, well, I'll, I'll work on it real hard and try so I can have more to talk about. Because it's done by the people that made Odin Sphere, I think, Vanillaware, and their artwork is gorgeous. So I'm excited about that. And uh, we'll see what else comes up. But um, hey, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you over at the main podcast. Until then, keep enjoying your hobbies. Have a good one. Bye. Bye, guys.